here we are. It's a podcast. Oh. All right, everybody. I'm Matt Marr, and uh, I'm here with two awesome... I have worlds colliding today. So first of all, I have... I'm going to start with the ladies. Which means ladies. what? Which means what? Which means what? I'm going to start with Colleen Smith, who is my Groundlings teacher. Mm-hmm. But... So that's how I know. But then I... When I, I'm to beat her, I looked her up and saw that she did Teen Witch the Musical, and I fucking flipped my shit out. Of course. Did you say I'm to beat? I'm to be. Like I'm to be. I'm to be. I like and I'm also that. here with Drew Drogi, fellow. So it's a Groundlings. It's a Groundlings. Hello. Podcast. Yeah, and Hi. Drew is in. Yes, I am. I was in it. Miss Malloy, Malloy, the um, Marshall Wallace part. One of my favorite parts that I've ever played in my life. (laughs) No joke. I would do it every night and be completely creatively fulfilled. I was just like, got to do Miss Malloy and Teen Witch again. It's the it's the greatest thing. It is the best. My friend, Mm. my friend, Michael Zara, uh, Mm. who have been friends with for many years, is obsessed with that movie, as most people our age are. And he was like, I want to do like a stage show of it as a musical. Cause there's all those songs in it that they just some kind, sometimes are kind of musically like the rap and everything, but it's not set up as a musical. So I was like, okay. So we watched the movie and we cut out all the boring parts and transcribed it and shut it. You got it to like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we just came up with our dream cast and made it into a really ridiculous um, stage music. And it's a roller coaster. It's like nonstop. It's just a, th- I mean, it's just, you just, you get on board and you're like, here we go. Yeah, it never and I wasn't familiar with Teen Witch until you brought it to me. I never, I just missed it. I don't know how growing up, it was never. Yeah, I saw it. I had the worst witch, the Fariza Balk movie, life, but too. never Teen Witch. But also, the the funny thing about it is, uh, a chic com- like paid for it. Really? <laughs> it was Naturally. commissioned as a response to Teen Wolf, I think, and. Yeah. It, uh, that's why it's weirdly sexual. There's th- that all the whole thing with the yeah, birth control yeah. And it's everything. very, it's very sexual and weird. It's such yeah. a weird and, and nonsensical movie. But you just don't. It's clearly like as if it was written by someone who didn't understand um, American culture or the English language. Yeah. Yeah, it was like teens. This is how they behave, this and is it was, what they do. They and it was like that's other. why I feel like it was written by some really sad, miserable woman who's like in her in her. You met. Didn't you meet the lady who wrote it? I feel like the lady came to a show that I did, and I heard that. I didn't officially meet her. Yeah. I don't want to bag on her. Like, I didn't meet did her. Did you grow up with girls, though? Because I grew up with Oh, yeah, daughter. of course. Oh, see, because I missed a lot of movies like Teen Witch or what's the movie with Sarah Jessica Parker? That Girls, girls just want to have fun. Yeah. I never saw Oh, that. no, I watched that religiously. Oh, I see, knew like, that I really well. I watched Rambo. Rambo. South Carolina? In North Carolina. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. They're very different. I'm sorry. Very different. Well, they really I, are. I asked somebody about that, and I was like, that's still Southern. And they're like, well, I'll give you a hint. There's North in the name. And I was like, oh. Oh, oh. I love, I'll give you a hint. Yeah. No, there is a big Where difference. Where are you I'm from Hawaii. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Okay, y'all can't see this, but Colleen's like the most, she's like fairer skin than me. She's a real redhead, because I color mine, and just because mm-hmm. black men prefer it. Um, oh, well, well you know, we're learning we a lot we about each other. Uh, Hawaii. I mean, I don't know why. It's just a state. I don't know why I'm like, ooh, a no, magical. Everybody, everybody weirds out about it. Uh, both of my parents were in the army. So I was born in Korea. Oh. It's on my IMDb page. Um, and I was born in Korea. <laughs> and then we moved to Hawaii when I was about five. And um, and then both of my parents retired from the army. So we just stayed there. So I'm from five to 18. I I've never there. asked you this. Are you a Korean citizen? No, because I was born on an army base. Oh, okay, okay. How did you two meet? We met in the Sunday Company. I was in the Sunday Company. I'd been there for six months. Of the Groundlings. At the Groundlings. Yeah, we met at the Groundlings, uh, God, 10 years ago Yeah, more. We've known each other a long time. 10 years, yeah. Oh, God. The stories. Yeah, Drew got in, and we proceeded to write a series of terrible sketches that never got in the show. We never once, we were in the show for a year together. We never once got anything in the show. We loved writing sketches yep. together, but we would always do this. We would talk for about three hours, and then Drew would have to go, and we would conceptualize. <laughs> Immediately, I'd be like, I have to go. I pack my light. I you pack were, my days full of yeah. insanity. He was yeah. less busy then, but you were still busy. I mean, you had like a job. We all had jobs. And yeah. after three hours of chatting, you're like, all I'd be right, like, I, I have to go cater yeah. some horrible event. And but then we'd we, would, write- we would have such a delightful time together, then we would like... We'd have 10 minutes of like, let's write something really fast. And then we'd be furious that it didn't get in. Yeah. We would stand in my doorway sometimes. Be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's funny. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, bye. we'll write it up. One of us would write it up and just be like, yeah, we wrote this thing. Like we were, we were, we had terrible discipline together. Yeah. 
Because we just enjoyed each other a lot. I was that way with a lot of people, though, in the Groundlings. Like, oh, my God, Colleen, let's go to lunch. And then, oh, my God, look what's playing at the Arclight. Like, I was never gay-dee-dee. focused with everything. Yeah. I'm the same way. Gay DD. When I think of you, okay, we really are going to answer a question. I saw you do a sketch at UCB, and it's one of the most, my most, I can't speak, I don't have words. Probably one of the best things I think I've ever seen that I love so much. And you were just, I don't remember who the girl was. It was you and her, and you were dressed as an old man, and you were having dinner, and there was music playing. Oh, was it Delicious with Anna Miners? Where yeah, we do like yeah. The, he has yes. a comb over. Yes. yes. And you, did, you didn't say a word. <laughs> no, we, we do. Okay, that is something I, I love Anna Miners to death. She just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Anna. Um, she, she's we wrote that in the Sunday Company, Growlings, yeah. and and uh, we I found an old uh, Jim Backus comedy album from like the fifties or sixties, and it was called Delicious. That was the name of the of the piece, and it was it was Jim Backus and friend, but we think it was Phyllis Diller, but they don't credit the woman as the thing. But it's a man and a woman, and they're having champagne, and 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 the woman's like. Ooh, we're going to have fun. And he's like, champagne. And she's like, delicious. And there's like this horrible music playing underneath. And we found this comedy out. People know it. Like, it's an old routine that they used to do together. They were just getting drunk, like hammered. And so we we found out and we were like, let's just play those people. And then Anna had the brilliant idea of like, let's just lip sync the actual album, which took it to a whole other level, which is Anna's brilliance of figuring that out. And so we dressed up like Jim Backus and Phyllis Diller and just reenacted the video. And it was so fun. I, I miss it. I wish I could do it again. I would, I would love to see it again. Because we got, we got down to, we would, we would got every giggle and laugh. Yeah. And it every was, titter. Like we got yeah. it down. Like we learned it. It was like, like drag queen. We rehearsed it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We rehearsed it like a drag number. Yeah. It was that. Yeah. But it was fun. Thank That's you. Wonderful. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. I love you both. Um, all right. Well, let's. So, question number one from Daniel, 28 years old. Okay. He wants to know Is Dear Maddie, is watching too much pornography emotional cheating? Well, you know, I just had this conversation with someone the other day about having sex and, and what it means. And she's uh, religious and she was tr- trying to take a moment to kind of connect to the idea of not having sex just to have sex and having sex with people that she loves. And that for her was a little bit of a. She was taking a break from sex, and that was a, a big deal for her. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, taking a break from having sex is like, yeah, that's most of the time. Yeah. Because I don't, yep. <laughs> I don't care about being in love with somebody who I'm having sex with, but I really, really need chemistry. And for her, she really, really needs love, and she was saying that uh, she didn't necessarily understand women who – could have sex with men and just have sex all the time. She thought it was probably some sort of emotional void. And I was like, no, I think there's something like when you watch porn or you masturbate where you can just be stimulated and enjoy it. And it's just like any other physical function. You're just having an awesome orgasm once or twice a day. And it's this amazing, fun experience. And then there's, and you can have that with people. You can have amazing chemistry with people and you can, then you can love people. And there's two separate things. So I think, it's it's all comes down to the reason why. If you're just watching porn to to have a great orgasm, great, do that. It's like going to the gym makes people feel better. That makes you feel better. If you're watching it to escape someone that you care about, yes. then mm, I think yeah. then yes, then it's not cheating. It's just emotionally blocking somebody out. But it makes me wonder too if, as a woman, like if she kind of falls or buys into the cultural bias that women are emotional and needier, men can just have sex and women can't, which. That's a whole other thing, but I just want to put that out there. I don't believe that. So, yeah. but but so if you're with a partner, then you wouldn't think it's cheating. I wouldn't think it, the word cheating would not be what I would use. Okay. If if I was with somebody who was compulsively watching porn, but certainly if every night was I'm not in the mood, I'm not in the mood, and then you know that your partner's like watching porn three times a day, you got issues. You yeah, right? I mean, like that's the difference. Yeah. But, that, but like watching, I mean, I think like there. The like too much is a relative term. Yeah, it's like what, what does that mean? Much. Yeah, some people just really enjoy it, and and you know, and it's a thing. It's like it's certainly emotionally blocking you from from something you know, from something if you let it. Otherwise, it's just a it's just a really fun thing to do. Why not? My question would be on the flip side of that: is masturbating while fantasizing about people you know is that more cheating? Because I know people do that in committed oh, relationships. Sure. Or is that does that just keep you sane? I mean, if you've been yeah. in a relationship for so long, and you're like, you know what? 
I gotta go just think about somebody else for me, <laughs> just to keep me and you, you keep you in my life. You know, I, my longest yeah. relationship is was like nine months, and I haven't been in a, a, for like twelve years. So, so I'm giving advice. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I know. But I'm like so sitting the, there going, yeah, I, I, I don't mean, know. Colleen and, I, like, Colleen and I talk about this all the time. We're like, uh, are you yeah, in relationships still, right no, now? Or single? No, no, no. The, the answer is always single. <laughs> it's always I think till I die it'll be single I'll, no. it, the answer will always be like but, I don't know I had this weird thing like a month ago that lasted for a weird period of time and then I don't know you then like I, you could be a I don't know why like the vibe I get from you mm-hmm. is that you would I would feel like you would do very well in a relationship mm-hmm. Well, I am in a relationship. I live with my sister and <laughs> our nine-year-old yellow Labrador. I basically have a spouse. I have someone who like text messages me and she's like, hey, I, I bought groceries and, and I walk into the house and it smells like delicious food and there's a baked good and there's a bottle of wine and we sit down and watch So You Think You Can Dance together. And we go to parties together and people are like, invite us as groups to things and are like, your sisters are real something. And then an opposite, like we, every, we do everything together. We plan everything together. She has access to my like, pin number and she'll be like i took this much money out of the bank to pay for something and i cashed your checks and <laughs> oh, you wow. know forges my signatures on a million things i mean it's it, whatever people get from spouses except for you know sexual i get from my but sister. see i feel like i have that with with a handful of my friends like i have a handful of friends that do all of it for me except for sex but it's like we i have so many uh, many spouses that are, that I'll be like, I know who I can talk to about what I know who I can die, who I can lean on for the, and, and who I can enjoy such and such with. And I'm never at a loss for something to do. And I also love those days when I'm alone. I love those days when I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't have to talk to anybody. I'm going to go to three movies and I'm going to just eat by myself. I love being alone. I'm yeah. a very much. An I individual. love eating by myself. And I love mm-hmm. it. I love eat- I love all of it. Like, and then I really like, I really enjoy the, the the friendships that I have and yeah I do I'm in a place now that I really do want to be in a relationship and I and I realize that I put but I put a lot of my friends through a lot because I I expect weird things from friends that are, they're probably too close or, or too intimate or too much or maybe not I don't know because then I go through periods when I'm super busy when I don't have time I would not have time to be in a relationship and I would be I would be a horrible um, spouse or, or, or co-partner or whatever you want to call it because I would just be like I can't I can't hang out this week like I don't have any time this week to hang out or any energy yeah. or if we hang out I mean my good friends know that I'm like we hanging out means we'll meet at Akbar at 11 o'clock for a cocktail and I have to go to bed at midnight but I have an hour that I can like have a cocktail and all I want to do is just not talk about anything you know what I mean like yeah. I'm not I don't have I'm not on I don't have any energy I, I resent when anybody comes up to talk and I'm like tired, you know, like you only have so much energy and I feel like I put a lot, you know, during the day. And then I'm like, I get to the point. I'm like, Oh God, I don't, what would I do in a relationship? And then yeah. part of me is like, Oh God, I would love to just not have, yeah. I'd love to have an excuse to just, I'd love to have, you know, all of that. I think Los Angeles too, just has more, just has more single people working towards it's something. It's not a place. I mean, that is one thing. I love LA. I've lived here for 15 up. years and I love LA. And I, every time I go anywhere else, I miss LA and I come home and I go, I am home in Los Angeles, except for that major piece of like dating and relationships. It's not set up to do that. People move out here for, for their own, uh, you know, I don't want to say self, it is selfish, but not in a horror. I don't mean that in a negative way. We're all thinking about ourselves out here and what we want to do. And, you know, but I love the creative energy out here. I, I've met the most intelligent people out here, the most, the most deep and caring people out here. Um, I mean, the, the best and the worst people in the world live in LA, I think. And it's like, and, but when it, but it's not a place for, for, uh, couples and families so much. I mean, the, the Valley, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, like there are, par- sure. there are parts yeah. of it. There are, but I'm just saying like, you're okay being, yeah, you're like you said, it'd be weird if you're in another major city, I think, and you're, and you're, and you're you single as much. Like They'd be like, oh God, fun. what's happened to Drew? And so out here, they're like, oh yeah, everybody's, I mean, most people I know is a single out here. I think it's different. I mean, I really kind of realized, like I recently, well, cause you know, my old business partner, we had a falling out like in February and it was like a breakup cause he was my best friend. We were, he was my business partner, my writing partner. Mm-hmm. We saw each other like three or four times a week. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, we don't speak at I'm all so anymore. Sorry. Mark and I don't That's talk horrible. at all. 
But, I mean, it's it's sad, but it really was. At the time, I was like, I remember talking to someone. I was like, why am I affected? I feel like... Because I, I feel like it was a breakup, and he was a writer. I was like, no, that's he was a straight dude. He was like, no, yeah, I broke up with my writing partner who was a guy, and I felt the same way. And I think that, like, L.A. is one of those cities where you form – I know we talk about a lot of times with, with queer people. They move somewhere, and a lot of times they have to find a family of choice compared mm-hmm. to their family of origin. Yeah. And I almost feel like everybody in Los Angeles comes out here. They find their family of choice. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I've, I've had to break up with several friends in the last few years, and it's horrible. It is never like, eh, we can't be... I mean, people, I think, yeah, friendships are really deep here. And and like when you have to, when you realize we can't be friends anymore, mm-hmm. we can't work together anymore. I've had to do that over the years and it is so, it takes me forever to get there. I have to, and I go through all of it. I go through anger. I go through sadness. I, I mourn the loss yeah, of this loss. friend in my life. And I, yeah, I've, I've been right there with you and, and it's like, and, uh, you know, and I, I mean, I called Colleen many times and been like, <laughs> I mean, how many times have I called you and just said, thank you for being an easy friend? Like I have, cause like I she's such an friends. easy friend. Yes. Like mm-hmm. I know that like, we don't, we can go three months. We haven't seen each other in forever. I know. And like we pick up right where we left, we'll leave off. We'll it's, I never, I mean, Colleen's the one of the people that'll call me the next day and be like, I'm so sorry. I said so-and-so did I offend you? And it never does. It's never <laughs> oh anything. She's never, but like. It's, you know, it, it was just easy. I, I, I'm like comfortable there. And then there's some friends. We're all creative people. We're all, we all have neuroses. We're all crazy in different ways. We all have, I mean, we could all be diagnosed as something I, that, you know, that do this out here. It's, you know, and sometimes you just can't, it just can't, it breaks. It can't work the connection. And it is terrible because you can think the world of that person. You can think that they're insanely talented. You can think that they are you know, you wish a lot of success for them. And then you're just like, I can't have you in my life. And it sucks. It really does. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't think a lot of other people, I think a lot of the people just go, Oh, I'm just not going to be friends with that. But we're just not going to hang out anymore. We're just not going to, you know, you know, have Friday night cocktails anymore. When we go to somebody else. But in LA, it's like everything you do, it's your, it's your work. It's your yeah. creative energy. It's, so it's your children. It's, it's all, everything. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, and that makes, I'm going to jump ahead. I was going to do this question later, but Somebody, Carly, age 34, asks, in my 30s, I'm finding that friendships that were once really strong and close are drifting away. Is that normal? Yes. Yeah. Because we're all in, I'm 35. I think we're all. Yeah, I'm turning 35 at the end of this month. Oh, Oh, happy birthday. No, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, I, I think that's a huge thing that happens is you make these friendships whenever you make your friendships, when you're kids and, or when you go away to college or in high school or whatever, and they're they're this group of people that you didn't necessarily pick they just happened mm-hmm. and then slowly as time goes by you find the people that you pick and some of the people that have been around forever stay and those can be these incredible friendships because they've known you forever mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people we were like we were just friends cuz we lived we're, near we're each other proxy. yeah or we worked at the same restaurant or something and then there are people who you you connect to completely and you also yeah, people get married in their 30s and have kids and all of a sudden it's like there are people who put work in and people who don't. There's mm-hmm. people who are are flakes. So if you're around them all the time in four situations, you will be great friends with them. But the mm-hmm. second you're not in that four situation with them, getting a hold of them or talking mm-hmm. to them is impossible because right. they only pay attention to what's in front of them. And that's a hard thing to get over whereas you don't take it personally. You realize they have this friendship with everyone. Um, but I remember having a real – because like – we were in the Sunday company, Drew and I at Growlings, and you're in this like crazy pressure cooker. Crazy pressure and cooker. And, and that's yeah. your family for every six months it changes, but that's the group you're with. For, yeah. That's all you do. That's and you're your life. constantly with each other. You're constantly writing with each other or your workshop or you're putting up the show and then you're out drinking every night and it's somebody's birthday. Making and out something. with each other. And it's amazing. Yeah. Making all that kind of stuff. And when the votes happen and people get out and people move up and all that kind of stuff. Then that is a moment where you look at and you say, "Are we hanging out every week anymore, or did we run away?" And and I, it's what I love now is all of almost all of the people that I went through that year and a half with. Um, our friendships got better outside of that environment. We got mm-hmm. we got closer because we pursued our friendships. Well, you have to make an it is it's work. Like I put in my phone as a reminder. Oh, my dog's moving. Sophie's moving. My dog <laughs> loves you. 
Colleen. Um, I love oh, Sophie and I are not on great terms, oh, but she I'm looking at you forward to. <laughs> but I put in reminders situation. in my phone that little because I'll think of somebody and I'll be at work and I won't be able to call them and I'll be like Siri, remind me to call Kobe at five o'clock, and then I'll remember to because I think and there's a difference of the friends that I've stayed together with are the ones that have made that effort. Yeah. Well, I just think too, the older you get, the just less bullshit you put up with too. And you just find your people and you don't care. You don't care that like, I have to make everybody like me, which is what your twenties are about. Right. In your twenties, you're just like, I meet these people and I want everybody to like me in this place. And and then you just get older and you're like, you know what? I have my people and this other person may be great for somebody else, but it's not my people. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think, I feel like you let go of a lot in your thirties too. A lot of, you know, you have such like intense emotions and you're, and, and then you just get older and you're just like, yeah, I'm not going to give it any energy. I'm not going to go crazy at this person and like I never want to see you again but you're just sometimes you're just like you know what we're in different places and that's okay you know like yeah um you know I mean I I can only deal with who I you know want to deal with there's that's also good for me like those friendships where you you go let's hang out and you hang out and you're like neither one of us had a great time and we it was hard for us to find something to talk about and mm-hmm. maybe all we talked about was old times and you're like why I I definitely mourn friendships. It makes me very sad. I remember having like a breakdown in like sixth grade graduation because two girls who I'd been friends with for a long time were not going to continue with us for seventh and eighth grade. They were going to another school. Um, and it, the idea that somebody who was a part of your life could just be gone is very – it's very sad to me and very scary. So when friendships end, people die. It really freaks me out like most people. Mm. But um, there is that moment – I think – where you go, wait a minute, we don't actually, we're not having fun. We should both yeah. acknowledge that this mm-hmm. is just, we had a connection at some point, but it's not, and neither one of us is awful people. We just don't. I think my agent, Well, it happens in relationships. It, it happens. happens in everything. You're yeah. just going to go, uh, oh, why are we doing this anymore? My commercial agent said to me, I love my agent. He's my, my friend. Well, I forgot to go to audition, whatever. But <laughs> we usually get together and have a beer. So, but he said to me, I was literally, I love him because I got, to, we got together kind of when all that was happening and we talked about like business for like five minutes and the rest like was two hours. Like he talked about his relationship and I was talking about this and he just said, you know, something I've learned is just because you have a long history with someone doesn't mean the friendship is as important as you think it is just because you have history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I th- definitely think that echoes what you're saying. Cause we think, well, I've been friends with this person for 10 years, so they're a good friend. But are they? Like, and what? the truth Constance is, is a good friend. you can love each other. There's lots of people I love who I don't like very much just because <laughs> yeah. I've known yeah. them for a really long time. Sure. And if they were ever in trouble, I would be there for them because I love them. But I don't necessarily like them. Don't want to. Yeah, and I don't spend a lot don't of time with, with them. them. Don't yeah. want to do a knitting circle with them. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, you don't knit. Do you knit? You don't knit. I knit. Uh, question number, ooh, this is a long one. This okay. is from Felicia, 38 years old. Dear Maddie, I need a vacation, but I don't have the money to really go anywhere. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I work only part-time. If I'm honest, I want to take a vacation without my kids and my husband. I love them, but I need a break. I know I should be a, quote, independent woman and make time for myself, but I don't want to tell my husband I need a break because I'm worried he will be disappointed in me. And He parents. I I typed that. He doesn't parent my kids as well as I do. What do you do, Felicia, 38 years old? There's a lot of shit happening in this email. Felicia, <laughs> take a breath. Uh, you're doing great. Uh, you've got you've got a lot on your plate. Um, I I would just ask for small increments of of me time, right? Wouldn't you just say I'm explain all of that to him? I mean, maybe not. Maybe don't tell him like you don't parent as well as I do, but just say. You're, I mean, he's got to get it right. You need your own time. Well, I mean, and ask for like two hours to go to a movie, or you know, um, sometimes you wish there was more detail in the question because you don't know is her husband really judgmental or is that her? I mean, it sounds like she's putting a. Well, he probably works full time because she said stay at home yeah. mom. She works part time, so there's there might be a thing of like if she says I need time off, he's like, well, I work full time. I need a vacation. So what I would say is, assuming he's a nice person. Yeah. Um, they should both get a vacation. So she should get time off and he should get time off. Huh? So it's not the idea of like, I just need to get away. She's like, she totally appreciates. He probably also has similar feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that everybody needs alone time. 
and that, you know, she should get like a nice trip. And yes, maybe just something if she goes down and stays in Santa Monica. I don't know where they live. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, if they say they lived in LA and they live, you know, in Hollywood, it's like, oh, I got a, you know, a small hotel room. Or even a staycation in the same like city. She goes to a hotel room by herself. Like they have those great Groupon things where you go to a fancy hotel and you get massages during the day and you get a hotel and you just watch stupid movies and swim by the pool and dumb stuff like that. And then there are those, there are those deals you can find online and you can do that that are really surprisingly inexpensive and you think about it this way you will save more in like i've made myself do that at times when i've had no money to do it but i've been like i'm gonna give myself a small modest trip or like a day to go to the beach or a day to do something and it is so worth it i'm so much more relaxed i enjoy my life so much more i enjoy the people in my life and and it's and i know that i'm i'm like like healthier because of it. Yeah. Like you have to do that. I would you, also like it's, it's a human need to like take a break and I will, yeah, I keep cutting off. I would also say the whole thing of, um, is he disappointed in me? I, my mom and dad were not in the world's happiest marriage the whole time. And, um, there were definitely moments when I sensed that my mom didn't necessarily want to be there. And she did, she was an amazing mom, but being aware of, that and being aware of the times when my mom was creatively or emotionally fulfilled by work or other stuff. And like, especially now, um, she's, she's a much happier person. And when my dad, before he died, like he got this job and he'd always had like weird jobs that were unsatisfying and he got this job sort of towards the end of his life and he was a much happier person and they were much easier to connect with when they were happy and fulfilled Mm -hmm. in their own lives. And I think no matter what, she shouldn't judge herself for needing space away from her kids. And if her husband, if she thinks her husband's going to judge her, that's a whole conversation they need to have. Because mm-hmm. if she wants to be a really good mom, which is the most important thing, I think whatever, your spouse you can deal with. Uh, but your kids are the people you should have the most importance to. That she's a better mom if she takes this trip. She owns you. And then one last thing. She says he doesn't parent her kids as well. That might be something if she can 100% relax because if she left, she feels like her husband wouldn't do some stuff. So that might be a trust issue with her husband, which she should figure out. But if it's genuinely like she just doesn't think he's going to do a good job, then the practical thing is like does she have a friend or a, a babysitter or somebody who can come in and, you know, cut yeah. some of the workload. I mean, I think she should definitely talk to another mom about this because it sounds like she's, I'm just kind of getting, it sounds like a lot's in her head about this. Yeah. And maybe just talking to her mother, another mom, because there's a lot of guilt. I agree. There's, I think she just needs to be honest. She needs to be honest with herself what mm-hmm. she really wants. She needs to be honest with her husband. And just like you said, like I, that, I remember, cause I've watched Oprah, the Winfrey show. I love Oprah, the Winfrey I love show. Yes, I Nobody Oprah knows Oprah unless you say Winfrey. Unless you yeah. say the Winfrey I show. I used to watch the show as a kid. And um, I remember like once she had an episode where this like self-help woman was talking to mothers and she talked about you should make a priority list. And at the top of the priority list, you should put yourself and then your husband and then your children. And mothers like flipped out on that. They were like, how dare you? And they got so angry. And I thought, but to me, maybe this is again the... I'm just a byproduct of being a single person, but I know when I take care of my own shit and show up for myself and feel fulfill myself, then then that literally gives the cup. I feel like I, I don't really think there is a should anything. Like, I feel like it's like, it's like just being aware of all and balance because it's like there, I don't know that priorities are that important as like making sure you're doing all of them. Like, yeah. it's just sort of like, I would it's just like, because the people read that and they take the, get the wrong idea from it. Like, well, I'm making myself the most, the center of my universe, you know? And it's like, those people are, are terrible. The people read the secret and go, well, I, I think good things. So therefore I'm a good person, <laughs> you know? And it's like, they miss the whole point yeah. of what they're doing. You know what I mean? It's like that, that, that horrible selfishness that we deal with uh, out here a lot, a lot. And so, yeah, it's like, you know, you have to balance balance all of it, and uh, and one day at a time. You know, one day at a time. Yeah. So normally this is like a fun, upbeat section, but I got this question, and I thought normally we do a celebrity shit the bed kind of moment where we talk about something in pop culture, and I just feel like a is three. We all are comedians, and 
with this week. Just so you know, listeners, we record this a uh, week in advance. So Robin Williams passed away on Monday. So that's a whole thing. I'm sure that affected y'all. And there, so I got this question actually that said, uh, "Dear Maddie, I was very sad saddened about Robin Williams' suicide. Now that I've been reading about uh, depression, I'm starting to wonder if I'm depressed." I don't know. I don't want to kill myself, but I've found I'm just not happy lately. I don't hate my job. I'm in a great marriage, but I also don't know what I really want to do with my life. I'm also unable to get a good night's sleep. I just, I just thought I was feeling blue. I feel like one of those fucking stupid drug commercials. <laughs> Am I depressed? Um, I forgot. Oh, I have to look online. I forgot who sent it. I forgot to put their name. Um, so the thing that's been really I guess, I don't want to say great, but I don't want to say beautiful. But the thing that's been really, I think, cool about what Robbins Williams sharing his story is that I've noticed like a lot of people have opened up like online, like I saw Mike Rose posted something on Facebook, really have been talking about depression. Um, and I just read too, like just today, did you know he had Parkinson's yes. disease? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that so just came out too. And my step, my my mom's not with him anymore, but my stepfather had Parkinson's and that, like, I think a lot of people think Parkinson's affects you just physically, but it actually really affects you mentally as well. I, first of all, let's just talk about like, I'm sure you both were affected by Robin Williams this week and. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's crazy. It's just why you just can't believe it. You're just like this person that's been in all of our lives forever. I mean, like just like, it's just been such a four. It's just such a constant. Of just he's kind like, of a generational. Like, yeah. yeah. He's really yeah. straddling yeah. a lot of generations. Yeah. yeah. I it's, mean, my mom, my mom was torn up because yeah. he and my mom are the same age and she was just really, I mean, it, I, I mean, I think she's surprised how much it affected her and you know, gosh, I mean, I can th- obviously mention all the, the amazing things he just, what he did and how much, how many levels he hit people. You know, I think that's the thing too, that wasn't just like, you know, you think of him in different phases and different his, you know, his dramatic work and even his comedic work. I posted this video that he did with Carol Burnett. That, oh yeah, I shared that. that I've um, never seen that. that well, was Christopher Durang wrote it, and it's like it was from a um, a show, a Carol Burnett special, and it's just the two of them. And he's just so like gentle and human in his in his craziness that you connect on some level. That his zany, wild, crazy, colorful tie and all that stuff he would always wear. <laughs> He was such a person underneath it all. And there was, there's so much pain in that video and, and it's all set at a funeral and it was just, it really is a, a powerful, you, you know, you can go online and go mm-hmm. on YouTube and just Google the funeral, Cara Burnett, Robin Williams and watch it. And it's brilliant. It's so funny, but it's also just like, I think summed up a lot of him and like a lot of where he was coming from of just, you know, um, we all, I don't know. It, it, we, there was this weirdo like Mork. Or like some crazy person he would play. And then he would be able to do like the, you know, John Keating and Dead Poet Society. And you'd be like, he's just always a real person. Like, and that's mm-hmm. what made him such a great actor was that he was so, he owned his weirdness. He made us feel okay about feeling weird. And it's so, it's, it's upsetting that that person was like, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. You know? Cause mm-hmm. it was like, um, on the other hand, I don't know. I, I feel like I was, I wasn't inside his head and maybe yeah. at, at 63 years old, he was like, and finding out he has Parkinson's and he's dealing with depression and it's all got to be too much. He's just gone back, he's been in and out of rehab, all of his, and maybe it's like, you know what, this is, this is it. And I'm, and I'm good. And, and maybe we all, we just react to like, oh my God, we're losing this thing. Cause yeah. we always got, it's like this entertainer, this clown showed up and did this thing for us. And maybe that clown was just like, I've done all that I'm going to, the show's done. The curtain's mm-hmm. down, you know, over. And, and, I mean, it's like, and maybe, maybe he made a, maybe that was a, a very sane decision that he made and, and in his, in his own you know mind, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I, 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 um, I've never dealt with depression. I'm not an expert on it. I don't really know. I've definitely dealt with while, I mean, I've never, <laughs> I don't know what I've dealt with. I've never gone to therapy. So that's my deal. So you actually uh, haven't dealt so with it. So I'm actually, anyway. haven't, I don't know who yeah. I am, but no, I'm just saying like, I can't, I, I mean, a lot of people, I love that people have opened up about it. I feel like I had a hard time going on Facebook last couple of days because a lot of people are making this all about them and it's not about them. It's about Robin Williams and I, it's beautiful how much he affected people. Um, but the actual act of what he did on Monday is 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 him is is his choice and you know I think about it and 
not that I'm advocating anybody out there committing suicide or whatever, uh, but people talk about those commercials, the, the person who asked this question, depression hurts or whatever. But if somebody was in horrible pain from cancer or something like that, we yeah. told we and they they decide to you know physician assisted suicide or non physician assisted suicide. Everyone understands. It's like oh, you're in horrible pain. You're because we understand pain as in physical pain. But the idea of somebody being in emotional pain that they've been we're assuming struggling with since they were in their twenties, mm-hmm. maybe even earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a long, long, long time to be in pain. Not that there aren't people out there who could say, I've been living with this pain for even longer. I've been dealing with it. And it's like, I get it. Um, but I can't, I can't judge somebody for that. I do know though. And Drew probably agrees with me is having somebody lost our fathers pretty mm-hmm. young. Mm-hmm. Um, there is that feeling for the, the daughter, the one, cause she's relatively young, isn't she? Yeah. She's, she's like 25. Yeah. That idea of, you do have that moment of like, but she, all of his kids, I'm sure are just like, what, you know, cause I'm so jealous of people who still have their parents. It's, Oh, me too. I mean, it makes me crazy, but I do think that what we were talking about earlier, it's if his presence in her life would have just been him incredibly unhappy, you know, in and out of rehab, torturing himself, maybe the, the him being around forever, it would have made her feel slightly better, but maybe it would have been. I don't know. I, it's hard to talk about people yeah, you I don't feel know like, at I, all. I feel like it's something that I had such a different uh, relationship with death and and even suicide uh, before I lost my dad. When my dad died ten years ago, and my dad was fifty four and was just mm. faced with a horrible diagnosis of like it's we're gonna go aggressively in your body and, fi- and we can't find where this cancer is. It's popping up everywhere. We're gonna do this horrible rip you apart, mutilate you. And still we don't know. And he had been really sick in his life. He did not suffer well. He couldn't be in a hot room. He could not be in this room right now without freaking out. (laughs) He was not a person that could deal with that. And he technically died of a massive heart attack. And I, and my, the peaceful part that I have about losing my dad is that I feel like part of him had something to do with that. Like understanding, like I'm good. I've done, you know, and as much as I miss him, and I think, God, it's changed my life not having him, but I have to, I have, I have peace in the fact, and I didn't obviously right when it happened, but you know, when I have distance from it, I have peace feeling like, at least in my small understanding of it all, that he had some say in that, that he was like, mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm, my body is over and I'm going to, and I'm going to do something. I think we have a lot of power over our bodies that we don't know. Now, obviously he didn't kill himself but he saw that he was like yeah i'm facing a lot of pain that i'm gonna put everybody through and he's never the kind of person my dad was like i'm gonna go to bed early because i'm like i don't want to i don't want to be an inconvenience to anybody Mm -hmm. and that i and again i all of it changed for me when it's like that and so i when when someone goes i you know, I get it's the I get very selfishly like, oh my god, I can't believe they're gone, and that you know. But I also, I never thought this way before. But it's like I just think that there is a, a power in that. And with that said, it's I to go on another thing about like it is it is really it's terrifying to me and so sad and maddening when a celebrity does commit suicide. And it inspires other people to do it because they feel yeah. like, well, if Robin Williams couldn't figure it out, I have to. And it is like so horrible that you would think this mm-hmm. person, I mean, it does become an option. It's I, scare, yeah. really terrifying to I me actually, and to think that like, oh God, I really hope that it doesn't. I think the lesson to be taken from that, especially any, if this is written by anybody from LA or anybody aspiring to be famous in any way is anytime somebody who's very successful and very beloved and very talented dies in a way that it isn't just sort of natural causes, I always think, and and it it usually is caused by depression or drug abuse, I think, we all think wealth and power and celebrity will make us happy. And these people prove that those things do not make you happy. Mm They can they can be great in their whatever form they are in, but that is not what makes you happy. I don't know what it is, and maybe happy mm-hmm. is just like a moment to moment thing. But don't destroy everything else in your life in pursuit of those mm-hmm. three things, because we have seen people 
who have success, critical acclaim, like not even like that. You can't find any reason when you can't find any reason at all why they should be unhappy in their lives. Go, oh, because that 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 isn't that doesn't make you happy. And I think like to answer this guy's question about is does he depressed? I don't know because I'm not a therapist. Uh, but I would say I have seizures, and when I talk about them, I don't you know talk about them in conferences, but they come up randomly. And I'll find more and more people who are like, oh, I have seizures or my friend has seizures. And you feel a thousand times less isolated mm-hmm. because for a long – for when I first started to have it, nobody I knew had it. And everybody was like, what? And it's crazy. And then I started to talk to more people and it was like, oh, a lot of people have them. And a lot of people drive them nuts and yeah, they, they can't drive or they've tried this weird treatment and they blah, blah, blah. And they have worse than me or better than me. And when you realize that there are a lot of people out there who are dealing with the same thing as you, you feel way less – isolated and more likely to talk about it, which I think is great about this is that a lot of people are coming out about it and talking Mm -hmm. about it. And it's not this like shameful thing that you have to hide about yourself. So I would, my advice to this guy is if you even think you're depressed and you're having trouble sleeping, go talk to somebody. Yeah. Talk to, I think there's too many people in the world for us, one person to to only go through something. Like think about it. There's millions and millions of people in the world. I mean, that's why, that's why I'm here right now talking to all of you and why I love people sharing stories because it isolation, I think is. I mean, it's proven medically that it, people that are isolated have a higher chance of cancer, of mm-hmm. depression, and so. And you know, I think too. Like I volunteered for um, the Su- Trevor Project, which is a suicide mm-hmm. helpline for mm-hmm. grief, and so I've spent hours and hours talking to people. You know, I've talked to somebody with a gun to their head and a knife to their, and it does make sense. Like, I think that's a one thing that depression does. It almost, I'm, I've never been a depressed person either, but it almost is, is that it puts on blinders like a horse has blinders and it just, it takes your options away because it's so debilitating. So, because a lot of people, that's what I get frustrated about when people say, oh, he was crazy. How could you do that? And I'm like, but if you heard his story, if you actually talked to him, and again, I think now that people, now that it's out that he has Parkinson's or had Parkinson's disease, people are like, Okay, well, I can, can see how that could be a little overwhelming to him, and apparently, not he didn't just suffer with depression, but he also s- suffered with severe anxiety. So it's well, and he suffered with celebrity too, because yeah. people don't think you're a human being. They don't. People do not think you have feelings when you are at that level. I have no idea. I can't imagine how everyone's like, "Why are you upset? You're Robin Williams. Like you're a comedian. Like you're always perky. You're always." And it's like. That that darkness has to go somewhere. He dealt with all of it, and you and you have, I mean, somebody who's it's like you know never considered and never thought. It just has a limited imagination. And if you haven't, if you're Robin Williams, I mean, like if you're, if you're that person, it's like I, I just think you just you're open, you're wide open. You're just like mm-hmm. I, yeah. you know. But even this person is saying, I assumed it was a man, but it could be a woman. Is I don't hate my job. I'm in a great marriage, and I could see the same thing of somebody going like. Well, you, have, you have a great I, job. You have a great marriage. Why do you have a right. reason to be upset? If you feel like you're not justified, it doesn't matter. Like you have your emotions. Like I think it's important to yeah. feel your feelings and talk about your feelings. I mean, for well, me, I, I'm very lucky. I'm, depression yes. is a disease. A lot of people think, oh, things just aren't going well in your life. And no, actually, like Robin Williams, he was about to do another Miss Doubtfire movie. Like, yeah, he has like three movies coming out. He was doing fine. Yeah. seemingly like you said earlier going well in his life and ob- that's not the point of this so no. if you know if you think oh well, there's no way I can be depressed I, you know th- this, there's a reason why this is called a disease mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's a medical I mean it's it's a chem- a lot of times it is a chemical reaction you know in your body that's why I would suggest uh, I can't I think it was a guy I'll have to look online who wrote it but I do think probably, you should talk to somebody you should talk to if you don't feel comfortable talking to a doctor or a therapist at first you should talk to a friend I mean just to give you a little breakdown the things that you want to think about it was like don't self-diagnose yourself but basically if you feel like your sleep has been interrupted or if you're just not interested in things a lot of PMs, people with depression have guilt or worthlessness. Um, if your energy, you can't concentrate. It really is like they say on the drug commercials. If you can't concentrate, if your appetite is either you've gained weight or lost weight, or you're either you're agitated, it's like a psychomotor, either a, it's a psychomotor retar- retardation or a agitation. So meaning you either can't sit still and you're just kind of pissed off all the time, or you, you, you think, oh, normally it takes me only 30 minutes to get ready in the morning, but God, it took me two hours just to take a shower and get my makeup on. And then yeah, I've definitely dealt with 
I think yeah. we've all had all little, that, I mean, you're saying that I'm like, all, oh yeah, I've definitely had those and days. And we've all had those. And luckily, like, I feel lucky that, like, I'm able, like, they go away eventually. But well, if you have five, five, I'm just lucky. Yeah. I'm not, like, a better person because they, because they don't stay with me. You just, know, I'm not better. I didn't yeah. do anything magical. I'm just lucky. So Google, like, depression symptoms and it'll, if you have, I just kind of went through that list. But if you have five of those things or more for a period of two weeks, that's like kind of the clinical definition of, okay, you possibly could be depressed and explore yeah. that. But again, mm-hmm. talk to somebody about that. And then, you know, just use drugs as a last minute. Thing. Yeah. And, those, they and let us know what gender you are. Yeah. I mean, that's the bit most perplexing <laughs> question. Okay. So switching gears, we're getting light and fluffy. We're um, at the chatty Maddie questions portion of the show. So first question What's your most memorable childhood smell? Hmm. Or if true, if you know an answer. I know mine. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I know mine. I know mine. I win. I win. I win. I win. Ten points. Uh, My most memorable childhood smell is the public library in Lincolnton, North Carolina. The way the library smelled. Um, I lived in, I lived there when I was a very, when I was like three, four, five years old and then moved away. I moved back there when I was 11 or 12. And when I moved back, I walked into the library and that smell hit me so vividly. I know exactly what that smells like. And I loved going to the library and, and reading. That's the, that's for sure my favorite. And you're smart. I thought of And mine. I'm brilliant. I have the brilliant smell now. of books. <laughs> I thought of mine. I do love libraries and I love the way they smell. But mine, <laughs> I thought of it as because I was like, I haven't been back to Hawaii in a long time. But the thing that happened was I got into a friend's car and he was a big smoker and it smelled like my dad's car. My dad smoked cigars. Oh. And normally cigarette smokers' cars don't smell this way. But somehow it smelled like the cigar smell of my dad's car. And every time I go past a cigar shop, if they're smoking like disgusting, like skunky cigars, it's different. But like a regular nice mellow gold cigar, it makes me think of my dad. So cigar smoke. All right. Question number two. What's the alcoholic drink you can't drink anymore because you got drunker than Cooter Brown? That's a southern expression. Mm-hmm. I have seizures, so all alcohol I'm not really supposed to drink anymore. <laughs> so. um, I drink wine because I love it and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, <laughs> I don't drink hard liquor anymore because of the seizures. But I think the last thing that got me so drunk that I would never go near it. Um, oh, any kind of malt liquor like Zima or, oh, God. Zima. or Mike's Ew. Hard Lemonade. Oh, anything with the Jolly Rancher in it at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. anything, anything, any of those like super sweet cocktails that aren't like a nice, you know, muddled cocktail that someone's made. I gave up those a long time ago. I learned early on, like, don't drink foul. Don't drink anything malty. But when you're like 20 drinking, that's what you drink before you're of age. So that, yeah. I love that was my jam because either you had to make out with girls and have sex or drink and get drunk. So. You did. That. I didn't want to. Yes, what? <laughs> a lot yes, of Zima. Mine would be the very first time I ever got drunk was when I was fifteen at the Lincolnton uh, football at the game. library. <laughs> at the library, it's the Lincolnton Shelby football game, uh, and I drank a Burger King Moose cup full of like crystal vodka. And ruby red grapefruit juice, <laughs> and I to, I can drink vodka like anybody's like any day of the week. Had three of them last night, and I love it. But ruby red grapefruit juice takes me back to that football game, and it it it, it makes my the back of my throat like seize up. It's real rough. It's a delicious juice. I too. know it's awful, and I but yeah, I can't do it. It's so sugary though. It's so bad for you. All right, <laughs> moving on. To the complete opposite. When are you most inspired? Purposely an abstract question or general to see where you go. In movie previews. Really? Whenever I watch movie previews, I have like a million ideas for a movie or like a script or a sketch. I sit in movie previews and sometimes when I'm watching shows, but mostly movie previews because they're, you know, the potential of what a movie Uh could be. uh I love previews because they haven't ruined the movie yet. It's all just like the best parts. Whatever I don't like about it or I love about it, I want to expand more on and go because you can go in any way you want because I haven't officially told you where it's going yet. And I love movie previews. You just love potential, actually. I mean, you're you're and I'm not kissing your ass because I already had you in class. <laughs> I still have to take it again because I'm getting better. Um, but you're a good teacher because you like when you would get frustrated would be and I won't say people's names and I'm sure I was that way too. But when you saw the potential in people and their talent and they would have instincts and then they would negate their instincts and improv and you would get really frustrated. <laughs> but I yeah. appreciated that because you 
saw that and you would you Thanks, would yell you would yell at us. That's true. You're like that. <laughs> it's very true about you. Yeah, you're like inspired. What about you? Um, you get inspired? I'm most inspired when I'm in I know. a dance club. <laughs> no, something horrible. Um no, I I when I'm by myself and just let myself I love going to uh, out to lunch by myself, we were talking about it, and I just observe people, and I overhear the most ridiculous, vile, <laughs> wonderful things, and I just am like, I all I have to do is walk outside, and just I'm entertained. But it's only when I'm alone, and I'm able to like really focus, and and I'm not sitting there like some weirdo with a notepad out like writing things down, <laughs> but I just allow myself to just be open. Which is really, it's hard to do. I know that sounds so gross. Well, no, like like the artist, I wake up and I, and I allow myself to be open, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like, I just go somewhere and just sit down and just, usually it, it sneaks up on me. I've been alone and I just hear like, Mike, what was just said? Oh my God. I mean, today I was at co- a coffee shop and I heard this girl going, I'm freaking out because they don't have the iced tea that I like. <laughs> and again, probably just a thing thrown away, but you're just like, what is your life like? Yeah, right you're now? freaking you're out. You're freaking out. You're freaking out. I remember I went, when I was in high school, I went to Branson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And we, there was this guy, he's a piano player. His name's Dino. He's like a knockoff Liberace. And so he actually plays Liberace's piano. And so he's so playing. So not Ooh Child. Yes. Not the guy who sang the, the, the remix of Ooh, Ooh Child no. in the 90s. No, no, His no. name is also Dino. Maybe. I don't think so. <laughs> I have to look this up now. First of all, P.S. I got into a wreck while I was fumbling for a Dino cassette. Were, really? Great. Look at this. sure did. Look at this. We're all connected. Uh, um, no, his name is... I Thanks forgot. a but lot, if you, ha- if you haven't been to Branson, you have to go. But anyway, it's basically just like purple-haired women there. And he was playing, and then he was talking about Liberace's piano. And he said, wouldn't you just like to take a piece of it home with you? And this woman turns around to her husband's side. She's like... Carl, I'd go home and put a piece of that in my egg. What? Oh, she must have an egg that she fills with collector items. I think that's it. I think when you hear things, you just imagine the person. What is in that woman's egg? I mean, that's just little pieces of the history of the country. Ticket stubs, yeah. some dried macaroni, a subway token. She's going to leave the egg to some family member that's going to be like, oh, I wanted this. I, I got Eloise's egg. egg. I, think Laurel. I think it's eggs. Oh, well, she, yeah. I think well, you of, fill up one. I just had <laughs> a, a curio cabinet, you know. She's an old lady. She's got a lot of memories. A lot of curio cabinets in the South. Um, okay, so you can, depending on your brazenness, answer, this is weirdest place you ever had sex or celebrity crush. Whichever one you want to answer. Uh, does oral sex count as sex? I'm sure. Oh, that's a whole other conversation. Of course. Because yes, I have does. a better it answer does. for that one. I think oral sex does count. Do you know those big cement tubes that I think they bury? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. I think they put them underground and then they stick like all no. sorts of wiring My through. Wait, that was you? <laughs> oh. oh. We have a child. Oh, I never no. told you. Oh, I gave it up God. for adoption. Um. So those big cement tubes, I think that's what they're used for. But a lot of times they put them in parks, you know, for people. This is very like outsiders. Yeah. So there was this park near where I grew up and I like I had a healthy family and everybody was home. And and I lived in a place where like you couldn't find a dark street to park and really make out. People could still see in. So um, this park was dark and they had these cement tubes and me and my um, boyfriend at the time would go into those tubes to like make out and fool around. Um, and, and I performed all sorts of sexual acts in there, except for actual sexual, you know, in a tube, in a tube, in a cement tube, tube in, a park, in a dark park. I think that's the weirdest place I've ever, I have a hard time thinking, but I will say numerous green rooms in 99 seat theaters around <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> That's a one man show right yeah. there. Yeah. Well, it happens. Some, you know, when <laughs> it's so sad, it's like your story. It's like everything is like my life has been the same since I was 15. It's like I get up, I go to school, whether I'm teaching it or in it. I have, you know, rehearsals and meetings in the afternoons, and then I have shows at night. I've been living the same life since I was 15. So it's like, where's the word? It's out probably in a theater. Have you ever had a show relationship that you realized you totally just were in the moment and that was the only Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, I mean, summer stock, you know, summer after college. <laughs> Let's just say summer stock. Oh, n- say no more. Say no more, I right? Know what that is. I mean, you were in love when you were in Oklahoma, but by the time you got to Greece, it was all, <laughs> all done. All done. All right, last question. 
I know this is a cheesy one, but it's me. What makes your heart happy? I've been going first. Do you want to go, Drew? Oh, God. I don't. It's such a horrible <laughs> thing for me not to know. You know what? I kind of like asking. It's really, it's like really weird. It's like, like, I don't know. I'm like, well, you should know. I don't know what makes my heart happy. What makes your heart happy, Maddie? Maybe that'll help. That'll inspire me to think. Honestly, like seeing people's perception. Oh, what happened? Oh, my dog's itching. Seeing people's perceptions shift. Mm-hmm. And it's like total. But like this is, you know, I was a little kid and I used to tape like talk shows and I would record it because I would be at school and I'd come home from middle school mm-hmm. and I would press play and like somebody would answer the question and then before Oprah or Sally just could ask the question, I would pause it and ask my own. Oh. So like, this is my thing. Like, this is my thing of like, I know that growing up seeing, hearing people's stories in Oklahoma that, I mean, I grew up thinking that if I was going to be gay, that I would die of AIDS mm-hmm. and I would go to hell. Right. Or I'd have to be a woman. Like that was my reality. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Those three things. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then I heard somebody talking about their life and I went, Oh, this right, is totally right, different. Right. So that's I, that that's makes great. my heart happy. It's like when no, that makes goes, me oh, think of it. Yeah, it. I understand you. Yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. It's like emotional porn to me. No, I feel like for me, it's it's um, what makes my heart happy. It's like when I like see moments, like when I see like what you're saying about that, but where I just see somebody really, um, really totally get something, or really totally like realize something i don't know it's like it's it's why i i'm one of those weird actors that goes to um goes to theater all the time it goes to movies all the time and i know everything that's on like because i love i crave that those honest moments and real and i love watching i love being like in the dark and watching people like be people i mean, that sounds so weird but it's like that is a that makes my heart really happy even when there it's a horrible tragic <laughs> vile thing i it makes me really happy to like feel connected in that way and mm-hmm. go, Oh, we're all in this together. Like I watch that and I go, Oh my God, what is that like? Yeah. And that, yeah. Again, 99 seat theater <laughs> green room. That's <laughs> pretty much what it is. I, I have that problem that I think a lot of people have where like everything you, d- you just, all you did was read books and watch TV. Your entire childhood never went out and played sports. So everything has to have some sort of like end or it, like I always see, romances as being like if i imagine a hypothetical romance it always has like a weird breakup and a thing like it's never happily ever after <laughs> it's always the way it is in a long-running sitcom where the will they won't like it's always that mm-hmm. and there's always this drama and i think from then i've become a little this is probably also why i'm alone uh, a little bitter about love everlasting in terms of romantic relationships because i hear um but what's every night every single night except for when i'm out of town um my sister and I, we walk my dog, our dog Blue, to um, who's a yellow Labrador for those listening, to Jennifer's room, and we get him up on the bed, and we kiss him goodnight, and then I go to leave, and she's like, Blue needs one more kiss. It's really gross. And I go back, and I give him more kisses, and we talk to him in baby talk. And then sometimes we do the bit where um, I go, goodnight, I love you, and she's like, love you too, and I'm like, I was talking with a dog, or whatever, something <laughs> dumb. But every single night we say I love you to each other, and um, and every morning she gets she drops Blue off in the, my room and goes to work, and sometimes I'm trying not to wake up fully. And I heard this story about how if you don't speak yet, you don't officially wake up. But I said I want to go back to sleep because I need to sleep or whatever. But I will force myself to say I love you before she leaves because I just. I need to do that. And I, my brother and I, every time we hang up the phone with each other, we do that. And it just, I, they, I'm getting choked up. I, my, all my cynicism about love, that makes me very happy to know that there is, there is definitely a human being in my life that I will, I will sacrifice sleep for to just say, I love you, even though I've said it like 15,000 times a day and then I would give everything up for. So that's what makes my heart happy. Oh my God. We are terrible wow. people. Drew. We're terrible people. <laughs> I have no, a I thought yours were. Le- I have a brother that I love dearly. <laughs> um, I just. I actually thought <laughs> mine was. I thought mine was less nice than yours because yours were more about like humanity, and mine was just like me and my yours sisters. Yours is personal. Yours is personal. I'm yeah. like I like when Helen Mirren. We're, uh, <laughs> we're gay. I love that scene in Candleshoe with Jodie Foster. Yes. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking I about. I love Candleshoe. Well. 
That's it, y'all. We did it. That's Yay! To candle shoe. To candle. So I want to thank you so much for. Is there Thanks any, for having us. Is there anything you want to like tell people? Do on website or Twitter or whatever well, something you're doing? I do have a Twitter account. Uh, it's it's Colleen Smee. It's just S M I because I couldn't. Colleen Smith was already taken. Okay. Um, and then also I did a pilot this year called Selfie, and it got picked up. It's going to be on ABC, and I'm going to be in. The- I didn't know that. I didn't know that it happened in my class. Oh, uh, but now I'm, I'm, I was just supposed to be like a you know guest star, maybe reoccurring, which means you could never come back again. But I just, I'm filming the third episode. Oh, I did know that. Um, next week. Oh my god! So That's so far so I'm in two of four episodes, which is I, nice. We toast with champagne, but yeah. I don't want you to have yeah. seizures. So, so it's, uh, it'll be on ABC on so great. Tuesdays, I think. Yeah. That's a big deal. I play an asshole hipster, so it'll be fun. Oh, I bet you have fun with that. What about you, Drew? Nothing. Uh, nothing. I have nothing to say. I don't know. Follow me on Twitter at Drew Drogi. D R E W D R O E G E. Well, all right. Thank you so much. I love Thank you. Thank you. Both. I appreciate love you. Too. And uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. If you have any questions, go to the website, talktomattmar.com. Again, talktomattmar.com. Read the blog. Send me some more questions, and maybe we can help you out. All right. Yay. Bye. Thank you. Bye.